made Yes And Cafe, a podcast where we explore, learn, and create with ordinary people who do extraordinary things. Yes And is the powerful, intentional, and creative practice of building with other people. The name comes from improvisational theater. So what is it? One, paying attention. Two, affirming. And three, building on what others give you. That's it. Yes And. I'm Nadja. And I'm Omar. And we're broadcasting from the University of North Carolina, Greensboro. Hello and welcome to the Yes And Cafe. Today we are extremely fortunate to have a wonderful group of faculty and a student from UNC Greensboro who have participated in a project called the Unsung Heroes of the Civil Rights Movement. With us we have in the studio Matt Barr, a documentary filmmaker and oral historian whose films center on the struggles of working people to survive in an increasingly complex world. He's a professor of media studies at the University of North Carolina, Greensboro, and teaches production and screenwriting. Dr. Barr is co-director of the Unsung Heroes Project, which you'll hear about in a moment. We also have Dr. Torin Gatson. He's an assistant professor of history at UNC Greensboro and contributes his expertise as a historian to the Unsung Heroes of the Civil Rights Movement Project. Dr. Gatson is a trained public historian and a scholar of 19th and 20th century U.S. Southern history with an emphasis on the African-American built environment. In the public realm, he works with communities to build lasting public products that reflect the dynamic and difficult aspects of African-American history. Thirdly, we have Atija Farmer. Atija is a recent graduate of UNC Greensboro who received a BA in Spanish and Media Studies. She worked as part of the Unsung Heroes Project collecting oral histories from past civil rights activists. She is currently a full-time program coordinator for the Health Impact Team at the Center for Housing and Community Studies and hopes to go on to become a screenwriter in the future. Thank you all for joining us today. Welcome. Good to be here. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Well, I will kick things off with our first question. It's great to have everybody in a virtual studio here in Greensboro, North Carolina. Let's begin with Matt. Matt, can you tell us a little bit about the Unsung Heroes of the Civil Rights Movement project? And what was the inspiration for this project? Well, I think for me as a documentary filmmaker who's also gotten into oral history over the last 10, 12 years, the idea of people who are important in the civil rights movement but whose stories we haven't heard was an attractive concept that I first began to explore back in 2010, working with Dr. Chuck Bolton of UNCG History Department and Dr. Curtis Austin, who's now with Arizona State University. We went to Hattiesburg, Mississippi to uh, do some interviews on video. Uh, so it's visual history as well as oral history. We collected more over the years and then kept the project going while other projects were being done. And then in 2018, I was fortunate to receive a Carnegie Mellon grant for promoting minority students to be interested in the humanities. And this led to the project that we're all very excited to talk about today, Unsung Heroes of the Civil Rights Movement. The Carnegie Mellon Grant basically set up interdisciplinary project between my department, Media Studies, and History. And we had students from both sides, and we had Torn Gatson from History, and then we also had myself as well as Professors Hassan Pitts and Janita Chase from Media Studies. And we basically set up two teams of two students each from each department, and we learned and trained about doing oral history with the expertise of Dr. Gatson. And then they, over the last year, went out and did these interviews, which uh, we now have on the website. 
So we also have Torin here listening in who's been a part of this project. Torin, can you tell us how you got involved and what your contributions are to this project as a historian? Sure, I'd be happy to. I was first approached by Chuck Bolton uh, out of the Department of History, who's currently Associate Dean of the College of Arts and Sciences at UNC Greensboro. He, along with Matt Barr, approached me and wanted to tap into my experience in oral history and thought I might be interested in a project which definitely touched on the realm of public history, which is my profession, and also civil rights movement and African-American history in the Southern landscape. And so I was brought in primarily to assist with two history students, along with the media studies students, in training them in the principles and art and style of conducting oral history, transcribing those histories, and really collecting that and what that looks like. I was there kind of to facilitate that, but also to help our students or my two students from the Department of History really get immersed in interdisciplinary study. I love the interdisciplinary elements of this project. It's so interesting to have the history and the media studies working together. And also, I'm sure it was such a valuable learning experience for the students in both of those departments. And I know we're going to hear from Atija in a minute, but I just wanted to follow up on that question, Torn. Do you have any favorite stories or anecdotes about that experience of getting involved in this project? Maybe something that was unexpected or? One thing that I thought, well, two things that I thought were very interesting and both unexpected. One, I knew that the students would gain sort of an essential understanding of why oral history is important. And I knew that they would be conducting them. What I didn't realize was just how much the students' practical application of their skill would be enhanced. For instance, the two history students both were taught, along with media studies, how to operate the machinery, how to conduct the lighting, kind of the digital aspects of conducting an oral history project. And, you know, a lot of times from the historical vein, we tend to silo our students and think that we're just readers and writers and conceptualizers of history, whereas we like to actually get out and to feel and to do history, if you will. And so I thought that was something enlightening. And then I think just the stories that they captured themselves, many of which that are on the website, the students actually took part in capturing themselves. Truly remarkable. Super interesting. I was thinking about how when I was in graduate school, one of the most impactful things was going into the archives with Eric Foner and the special collections and you know putting on the gloves and things like that. They're really tactile things that are required in terms of looking at archives. But it's also like you were saying that there's a whole production, you know, like getting yourself to sites, you know, and then the whole what you're all doing, which is really cool, which is the whole video part, in addition to the oral history part, which is, you know, capturing things that you can't capture just with words. I mean, there's probably body language, there's expressions, there's things that communicate beyond just the words. But I want to ask, Atijo, you know, you worked on this project as a student in media studies. And what did you learn? from participating in this project. Do you have a favorite story to share? I'm new to Greensboro, so I think I really learned a lot about the history and stories I've heard before, the Greensboro massacre and things like that. But actually talking to people that had that experience firsthand, that was kind of eye-opening for me. Seeing things that I had no clue was happening in Greensboro before and really kind of learning that these things, even though they happened like 30, 40 years ago, are kind of still current in our society. I just really think that was the craziest thing from my experience is becoming more aware of what's going on in Greensboro as it is now. I love how it seems a long time ago for it to be 30 years ago, Atisha. It's great. It's like a long time ago and not long ago at all. And so I like that this is giving the opportunity to connect with what is not ancient history, but certainly history that was happening before you were here, right? So that's really fascinating. I was going to ask 
all of you, if anyone wants to respond to this. We're talking about unsung heroes of the civil rights movement here. How do you identify an unsung hero? Like we know about the ones that we know about, but it seems like part of the goal of this project was to highlight the voices of the people we don't know about. So how do you go about finding them? How do you go about choosing the people to participate? Well, I'll take a shot at that. And that's a great question. I think we all thought about that a lot. You know, doing oral histories or or documentary films, which, you know, share a lot of commonalities. If you find one person, then you find a way into a whole set of people. Sometimes there's a matter of not of chance, but of opportunity. I did a documentary called Union Time, which was shown at the uh, National Black Film Festival in Winston a couple years ago. And after the film, in the Q&A, a a woman asked, well, what are you going to do next? And I mentioned this project. I wanted to get back into it. And uh, she ended up giving me the name of a gentleman named Charles Person, who's from Atlanta, Georgia, who was on the Freedom Bus Rides. He's one of the interviewees. He's in his late 80s, and he was almost beaten to death by Klansmen in Anniston, Alabama in 1961, when he was only 19 years old. If you look in civil rights history books, he is there. But I did that interview in Atlanta, and you know he then helped find other people. And then Greensboro, of course, as we know, is a major civil rights historical center with the Woolworths and so much history at A&T. And, and then, of course, later on in 79 with the Greensboro Massacre. And I know people who are also with the Moral Monday movement, which is kind of through the Moral Monday movement, number of ministers, including Reverend Nelson Johnson of the beloved community. And basically, I met a number of people who are from the Greensboro area who've been very involved with the civil rights movement, and including Lewis Pitts, who's an attorney who was involved with the civil case to do with the uh, Greensboro massacre. And so I was able to get a whole bunch of people, including a number of ministers who agreed to be uh, interviewed, and they became the interviewees that the students interviewed over the last year. So it sounds like there's a whole network, and once you tap into it, you realize that everyone is interconnected. You know, what's amazing is is how much history is right here. And, you know, we did do interviews in Atlanta and down in Mississippi over the years. So it's not just here. But I think if you do find people and they feel good about what you're doing, you know, that's a critical point. One person will lead to another. But that said, ultimately, the plan with this project is to go nationwide and to be doing interviews all over the country. And so that's, you know, what we have to, you know, get grants for and all that in in the future. So it's not just here, but this has proved to be a fertile area for people who did amazing things in the movement. I mean, the students were able to meet people who were at the March on Washington, who were at the Woolworths counter in 1961, who helped integrate downtown Raleigh and also first African-American being the city council in Winston-Salem and so on and so forth. Again, once you, you know look at that site at the library, the stories are actually they're very not hypnotic, but you really get caught up in the narratives. And, you know, as Omar was saying, having the visuals there, even a moment where somebody pauses to recollect their narrative, that makes for even a more powerful experience. I bet. And I'm thinking that there must be just some amazing stories that must have been so moving to be able to hear and to know that they're being recorded for other people to hear in the future. And I guess you mentioned the students' participation, and I wondered if Atija wanted to weigh in. I know you were there behind the camera recording these things. Was there a particular story that moved you that you can share or particular favorite interviews that you participated in? 
Yeah, I think Elena Cohen, she was one of my favorite stories. So her story was very interesting to hear, just talking from a firsthand experience. And she was talking about these little kids that she had seen that were like running away from the scene and the police brutality that was going on in front of her and her friends running around. And after she was arrested and talking about being in the interrogation room with the FBI, Just talking about how strong she stayed throughout the process, I think was just kind of inspiring to hear and see how strong she is telling the interview, still very committed to the person she was and her goals in what she did was very inspiring. I was thinking that, you know, there's so many stories that make up even the moment that we're living in right now. I mean, literally billions of stories. And it's virtually an impossible task to capture the totality of what has happened. But I think what you're trying to do is capture some of the well, the unsung heroes in this movement and bring out some of the voices that haven't been heard and images and, and you know, that haven't been seen and that people have also experienced their lives since those events have happened and they've thought about it differently. You know, there's a whole literature in terms of memory and recall and uh, reimagining the past. And I was just thinking, I wanted to ask, you know, Dr. Gatson about how have you handled in some ways the multiplicity of perspectives and how do you bring out those stories that offer a counter narrative to the dominant ways in which things are portrayed? Because in some ways, the civil rights movement has been portrayed as, if you will, a black and white issue. That is, it's sort of, there's the good side, there's the bad side. And I'm always interested in seeing if there's ways of giving expression to the nuance within those two different, if you will, blocks, and also to blur the boundaries a bit more. And I was wondering, how do you wrestle with that to offer a cohesive story, but also show the contradictions and the blurring of the lines between different groups that are oftentimes pit in these stories against each other? The best way to do that is one of the ways in which we approach the project such as this. You know, our goal with the idea, right, and even though this is a more of an overarching project, this idea of unsung heroes really gets at the pit of understanding as we wrestle with these topics. While you have some of these more prolific icons, right, these bastions of culture that have become known with names like King and C.T. Vivian and others, Diane Nash, What we tend to forget sometimes or push off to the periphery are the fact that the stories that we were able to capture and even hear locally from the perspective of Greensboro help to codify or in some ways solidify those other stories moving up to their monumental importance, right? So when we look at some of these stories that we captured and individuals that the students interviewed, one would be Steve Allen, for instance, the Reverend Steve Allen, and him moving through the judiciary ranks in North Carolina, him working for one of the first state-appointed judges, it helps us understand or see, rather, new vignettes of history and where the injection of African-American history has begun to kind of shape the entire perspective of the narrative. We tend to categorize it as a very staunch, a this or that, or a black or white. These stories really bring to the surface 
is the more graves. And it really gives a nice nuance to the story of civil rights. And it shows that it is a day-by-day struggle in some instances. And in others, there were fights that may not have made the national scene, but were definitely instrumental in shaping the landscape locally. And so when we think about those things, I think of projects such as this, and then with the collaborative spirit that we took, and then overall using the students to inject new life, new youth into the conversation, and especially in them engaging these partners, I think really just crystallizes how coming with a new perspective uh, from those angles really kind of sharpens our understanding of this project. Because from what I noticed from these interviews was that most of the guard who would be classified as unsung heroes were just simply enthusiastic when they saw that there were youthful participants that wanted to capture their story and to reinterpret it, thus continuing this legacy of putting the story out there. I love the comment you just made, Torn, about the youthful participants. I think what you're referring to is the importance of having the students as part of the team. It seems like that also shapes the experience for those who are being interviewed as well. Is that what you're suggesting? Absolutely. I mean, this is a give and take. This is kind of a process where those that have held on to these stories for so long, not only are given an opportunity to share those stories, but they're given an opportunity to share them with a generation that may be completely, it may be completely unbeknownst to them, or that they've made sure that they hold those lasting legacies um, as some of these people are moving upwards in age. So it's not just holding the information in the film, but it's giving the students, the young people, an opportunity to take on those stories and pass them on as part of the community. Ah, That is really beautiful. It gives me chills listening to that and thinking about that that's what you all have created. off of that, I'm thinking about how what we're doing today is a little bit meta because we're interviewing you about giving interviews. It's making me think also about the theme of our podcast, which is the idea of yes and, which is this idea that we improvise with others in a way that's sort of creative and builds together. And we don't necessarily know where it may take us. We certainly didn't know exactly where the conversation was going to take us today when you all came in. And I've been really enjoying seeing where it goes. I wondered if any of the three of you can comment on your experience working together on the Unsung Heroes project in terms of that feeling of the collaboration and the team and the creative group that's being built through the experience of doing the interviews. In other words, I guess what I'm getting at is there's more going on than just the information that's in the interviews. It's building a community around that and a community that sort of supports each other to share stories that are important to be shared. And I just wondered if any of you had comments about that aspect of the experience. You know, I think for me, the way I see it is that, you know, there are three main things that come out of a project like this and that I experienced, I feel like we all did. And the first is just the idea of educating, right? I mean, all of us are being educated in various components of the process itself of conducting these interviews on such a large scale. Secondly, I think the collaborative spirit is really enhanced. And what I mean by that is most often uh, as scholars and colleagues, we tend to want to work together. But a lot of times that doesn't trickle down into actually working with students. Um, But a project such as this, you know, really incorporated our styles and tactics of teaching and learning. But it also helped us understand how the students perceive these facts. And it helped us sharpen our own tools, if you will, of teaching. And I think third, it gave us 
a better understanding of how to engage with the community together. You know, before getting to UNCG, I was at a few uh, other institutions doing projects and what, and it was generally, you'd work with the community and the community would, you know, would gain from that with an impactful product, or you were preparing some students who would work with the community. But this project really gets at the core of, I think, the university's mission, which is a true, or one of their missions, which is a true vested interest in community engagement, right? To be collaborative in nature, in theory, and also in practice. So not just me working with media studies, me having the opportunity to meet faculty whom I was not aware of prior, but also for the students to meet each other, to work with each other, and for all of us to come together and create this impactful public product. Um, it really just you know solidifies the importance of that collaborative work, not just in the essence of the final product or the product at hand, but also in what we learned working with each other to get to that end. That's exactly what I was thinking was that there's sort of these two separate themes going on. There's what you're creating and then there's how it changes you to be part of creating that. I wonder if Matt or Atija want to weigh in on their experience of being changed in the process of creating these interviews. It was a joy to be a part of this thing. Speaking for myself, I found it profoundly moving. And, you know, I think what we build a, a community of oral historians and documentary, however you want to put it, over the course of the year, that's part of the deal. The process of doing real community-engaged work, which is what Torrin was getting at, which is so true. And, you know, there's a community-engaged scholarship is a big thing more and more in the last 10 years or so. And this really was true community-engaged work. And so it's going to be ongoing. And we also have community partnerships. The International Civil Rights Museum in, here in Greensboro is a, a partner for this project, as well as the beloved community of Greensboro. There, you know, many of the ministers that we interviewed and their churches, we want to continue this community-engaged work into the future in Greensboro and then across the country. But it was a profound experience. Unfortunately, towards the end, it's kind of a weird segue here, but the pandemic, when it came into March, really affected this project because plans were still to get a number of interviews. And of course, we, we obviously could not do that. I will say that now uh, we've resumed doing uh, Zoom interviews. Uh, two of the interviews on the site were done on Zoom. So they're totally safe for everybody. And of course, the quality isn't as good as if you bring a whole camera and lights and all that into uh, somebody's house. But this way, it's safe. And we will, for the time being, continue these interviews on Zoom. So it can allow us to do them anywhere in the United States. So those are uh, my feelings on the community engagement. Yeah, I think speaking to those really great points, the only thing I can add is that in my experience as a student, I typically wouldn't interact with the elder community, wouldn't interact with people that have gone through these things. So really kind of getting to come out of my comfort zone and interact with people I usually wouldn't and hear stories that I've never heard before, learn things about the community and be able to contribute to the community in a way was kind of just an impactful experience. And I think that kind of speaks for the other students too. Atisha, how is that shaping your future plans? I know you mentioned an interest in being a screenwriter. Is this something you've always wanted to do? Has being involved with this project changed how you see your place in the world in any way? Yeah, I think before I was way more interested in kind of more narrative stories. But after this, I've really seen the importance of these untold stories 
there is a project I want to do, but I'd really kind of like to get more into history and showcasing kind of these stories in different communities that aren't usually told in a more in a narrative way. So I do think this project definitely has changed my ideas and goals for the future, which is really interesting. But yeah, it definitely has. Well, this has been a wonderful conversation, and uh, we're very grateful again for you taking the time to do this. And we're also just very grateful for the work that you're doing to reach out and in some ways give people's voices a space and a place and a sense of dignity to tell their stories from their perspectives. And just really want to thank you for doing that kind of work and also just to build community. I think building community is critical as Professor Gatson and also what Professor Barr were referring to is really an important part of what we're doing at UNC Greensboro. And as everything, it's an activity and it's ongoing. So I'm thrilled to know that you're going to be continuing to do this and use the tool that we have available for us, which is Zoom, among other platforms, to continue reaching out. So thank you for this work, and thank you for taking the time today to join us on the Yes and Cafe podcast. Thank you very much for doing this. Thanks for having me. Thank you. It's really inspiring. Thanks for sharing, everyone. Many thanks to the University Teaching and Learning Center that provided the recording studio, to Ashley Scott, who did our logo, to Lloyd International Honors College, to University Communications, including our production team, Matt Bryant and Ben Peterson. <laughs>